What's your time? Hello and welcome to Deprogram with Carrie Smith. Uh, today is Monday, March 7th, and I just want to ask the chat if you can hear my microphone. I had terrible problems last night. We seem to have it working now. So just let me know if you can't hear me and we'll try and get it corrected. Uh, Cameron Pasha is my guest. You guys all know him from uh, when we were on Unsafe Space together. And welcome, Cameron. I'm so happy you could be here today. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and delighted. And you'll see behind me, lovely Palisades Park, where I ran into someone who had watched me on Unsafe Space. And he's like, hey, didn't I see you with Carrie Smith? And so you're you're a celebrity. I get, get, so I get to be the osmosis. <laughs> That's good. That's so weird. It always freaks me out when I'm like, really? We, we had, um, I had a, a, a weird moment in mm -hmm. Lubbock, Texas, which is mm -hmm. where my husband's from. And this was a year or two ago now. And at the time, our channel, I don't know, maybe, maybe had 5,000 subscribers on that channel. And I was, I was in a, I was in a, I stopped at a burger place in Lubbock just to use the restroom and I wasn't wearing a mask. And mm -hmm. I, as I was leaving, somebody followed me out and he was like, ma'am, ma'am, excuse. And it, or actually he said my name, he said, Carrie, but I was thinking, oh gosh, I'm in trouble for not wearing a mask. It, my brain wasn't working fast enough to realize he yeah. had said my name. And I turned around and it was someone who watches who watched the show and I, I just blew my mind. 5,000 people in the whole world and then you and run the, into one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, look, there, there's a magic and synchronicity to all of this. And uh, and like I said, now that you're on a spiritual path, I'm sure you've seen a lot more of the strange synchronicities. I have, and I, I'm really excited to talk to you again. As you mentioned right before we started, this is the first time we've spoken this year. Yeah. And I had a lot of thoughts and things that have been rattling around in my head that I want to ask you about. Mm -hmm. Let me, before I get too far in, I have to remember on this channel to talk about this up top stuff. So right. if you are new here, this is a new channel. It's called Deep Program with Carrie Smith. So please hit subscribe. We do have a, a subscribe star, a Patreon and a locals. Now I'm figuring out locals. We are going to do exclusive content on the locals. Eventually um, we're probably going to do book club there and of Adam Krigler, who was recently on the show. I'm going to be on his show live tomorrow at 5.30. And Put then... Hmm? Oh, I thought I heard an echo. And then on Wednesday night, 8 p.m., we're doing Popped Culture live on this show. Thursday at 6 o'clock is a live deprogrammed. I'm going to be talking with Ariel Scarella, who I've talked to in person, but we've never done one of these long form interviews. So we're going to do that on Thursday. And then Friday, I think for now, this is going to be, I know I've been moving around with time guys, but I think this is going to be our regular time. So noon Texas time on Friday. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in and thanks for bearing with us. Uh, somebody said just really quickly, I'll fight you naked. Hello. says how many hours before super chats work? So we just got enough watch hours to apply for monetization. So I'm just waiting back to hear from them. Thank you. And then we'll be, we'll have a demonetization party, Cameron. 
that sounds great. Is I'll fight you naked uh, a lovely lady or no? <laughs> I think it's a gentleman. It's always a dude. Lovely ladies aren't crass enough to do something like that. <laughs> How has your new year been? It's 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 been interesting, you know. Um, look, at, at this point, we're we're, we're you know we're basically living in in, in a dystopian novel that the, each chapter gets worse, and so you just sit back and go, okay, you know, I'm just I'm just gonna read this thing. Okay, oh, let's go, fried pan to the fire. Here we go, here we go. So uh, I'm just flowing with it at this point. You should know because this is the kind of stuff you write. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, but, but it is except except this is a non-believable story. If I pitched the last couple of years and the last three months, whatever, last three weeks. Every student is like, yeah, that's, it doesn't work. No one's going to buy that, it. Isn't that crazy? That, you know, I'm starting to learn the past few years, all of these different aphorisms and, mm -hmm. and sayings that you've heard since you were a child, maybe, and you just dismiss as sort of right. And now I'm starting to learn that all of those things have deep meaning, like the phrase, uh, truth is stranger than fiction. That makes total sense now. Well, I mean, what, we're, we, what we live through in the in the last few decades before all the madness sort of erupted into the public view uh, it was hidden before uh was this illusory moment that every society goes through where it's really prosperous and it's it's just gotten out of the pro of the 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 process by which it became prosperous right which is war conquest this and that and all kinds of stuff right and then you have this brief moment in the society where everything it's going to be perfect like this forever right mm -hmm. But but that that's that's like the twilight. That's that's like that's like the moment the sun is down. You've got like an hour and a half of twilight, right? And then it, and then that's that's that moment. And we're going to re recognize that you know the the height of it was the eighties. The eighties yeah. was when the sun was just on the horizon, right? And then and after that, it's been going this way. Yeah. So for you, it was the eighties, not the nineties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm an eighties kid, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I lived through the nineties. But I got to be honest. I mean, even having lived through the nineties, I think the music was better in the eighties. The movies were better. You know, it was. You know, the hair was better. It was just. A, it was a better time. Uh, if if I could get out, if I had a hot tub time machine, I would just go back to nineteen eighty four and set it to just reset every time we approach nineteen eighty nine. Just reset and go back. I wouldn't leave. So you know that the book that you recommended that we did for book club, uh, the fourth turning. Yes. My husband just started, so he read, I don't know how much, at least half of it mm -hmm. back then, but he just started rereading it. And he's also, he's pouring himself into learning a lot more about mm -hmm. Ukraine and Russia than I've been doing because yeah. it seems so daunting to me. I've been listening a lot to Konstantin Kissin. Um, there's a documentary that was recommended to me called Ukraine on Fire. I haven't seen it yet, but my husband watched that and he's trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And like you say, we've been thrown into this dystopian novel. And mm -hmm. that book, the, the Fourth Turning, was so interesting because I think it kind of, it helped you, it helped me anyway to look at um, time, not necessarily in that linear fashion, but as something that repeats. And, and there's something in that, I, I don't know if I can put this in words, maybe you can help me. Mm -hmm. There's something about that book that helps you uh, think about history as more than just the facts of what's going on as if there's a yeah. rhythm to it that phrase yeah. that keeps getting repeated now that like history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes well it's 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 when and i don't even know if that's accurate i think history repeats itself <laughs> i don't even think it rhymes i think it just repeats itself uh in in different ways but it, it is the same patterns which that book really correctly analyzed which is a generational pattern and it's actually it's not new. One this idea, the idea of of history being cyclical, is very ancient. And actually, there the 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 Arab author who's considered sort of the the 
the founder of modern history historianship or history, history scholarship right uh is ibn khaldun ibn khaldun was like 10th century in baghdad right and he essentially wrote the this first history of the world that viewed it as a cyclical thing i mean before that you had herodotus and other major sort of classical historians but they viewed themselves as chroniclers right mm -hmm. uh whereas he said no no because what he was he was living at a time where sort of the the you know baghdad was at its height and it was just about to sort of start you know, collapsing, right? Uh, again, the same, the same processes, you know, the, the Arabs had conquered the Middle East and they, they had gone from being these sort of, you know, pioneering desert people who conquered this whole region. And then they became rich fat cats, right? Because they're living mm -hmm. off this thing. And, and then they're like, I don't want to do this crap. You know, their, their, their grandfathers were, you know, hanging out with a camel eating dates. Right. And now they're like, <laughs> I don't want to do this crap work here. Let's go get that Turkish guy. That Turkish slave <laughs> is going to do the crap work for me. And then little by little, Turkish slaves are all like, oh, the whole army is Turkish slaves. Everybody's, all the power structure is Turkish slaves. The Turkish slaves go, wait a minute. Why don't we just take all of this? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, well, I mean, we control everything. We might as well just take it, right? And so then they, then, then you see the rise of the Ottomans, right? You see, this is, but he was seeing the beginnings of that change. And so he wrote in, in, his, in his great sort of history of the world, he wrote that history was cyclical. And that was a breakthrough for scholarship at the time. And this is what, 9th, 10th century. So, you know, there ain't much scholarship come out of Europe at that time, but this was a breakthrough in how we think about history. And mm -hmm. now modern academia views, at least used to think of history in these terms. But then we had this rival ideology, which is something I've had this conversation in Hollywood uh, with a friend of mine who is an idealistic screenwriter, right? And he he was saying to me before all of this, sort of, you know, at the height of, of you know, Trump and whatever, and he, he was saying to me, I don't worry about Trump. You know, obviously, Trump is a villain, and I don't worry about Trump because you know I believe history is 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 uh, evolving towards righteousness or whatever in his mind, right? I was like, history's evolving towards nothing, buddy. It's a cycle. I mean, you're gonna have this guy, then you're gonna have the counterbalance of Trump. You're gonna have that. I mean, it's just gonna whatever you. I, and he he was it sort of shook him because he had this without even realizing this Marxist belief that we're we, history because that's a Marxian idea that history is evolving towards some predetermined positive conclusion, right? Hmm. It's like, it's evolving towards what you think is a what you think is a positive conclusion, and then it's gonna start doing this, right? Yeah. And it's gonna just get this is this is history, right? Yeah. And it, it, but the ideology of the woke, the ideology of sort of the cultural fanatics, the reason they're getting so agitated now because they feel like they're losing control of, uh, of some of the uh, of their monopoly of the conversation is that history is now beginning to turn in another direction. As people are worried about inflation, they're worried about what they went through the last two years, they're worried about war. They ain't worried about gender pronouns right now. Yes. And and so they feel like history is being derailed. It's like, no, man, this is the cycle. <laughs> the only reason you had time for gender pronouns is you were rich and fat and relaxed. And now you got the whole world collapsing. Nobody's got time for this crap, right? That's the cycle. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just turning your microphone up just a little bit. Sure. I got a note. Um, oh, good. They said, that's good. Thank you. So I've been thinking about, let me tell you where my head's at. And if this is interesting to you, we can talk about it. And I also have a couple articles about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you been following Facebook, how they've rolled, they've rebranded themselves as meta? Yeah. And I don't even know what that means. I mean, what do they mean by rebranding? I still think of it as Facebook. So what does that mean actually? So huh? they're basically, they have a, I think it's like a five to 10 year plan okay. where they're going to be basically moving into the virtual reality universe and they want to be the first to sort of corner that market. And so when they launched some of the marketing materials, they had a whole video 
where you're sitting at home in this kind of drab place mm -hmm. and you, you go into meta mm -hmm. and then yeah, like, like virtual reality glasses kind yes. of thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. you have a hot boyfriend and yeah. you look different and you can choose from all these fabulous words and you're walking around like interacting with people as if you're in, well, mm -hmm. like in one of these virtual reality games, you're seeing it all in 3d. And so they're kind of moving there. And I want to, we don't have to play the video, but why not just bring up one of these articles yeah. and we can look through it a little bit about their plan. Um, so this is an article from October. Let's see if, I, if Carrie can share. Yeah. Here we go. Thanks guys for being patient. Can you see that? Coming up. Facebook meta mission was laid out in 2018. Okay. Yeah. It's so this is an, All right. this is an article for anyone who's just listening to this episode later, not watching. Um, this is an article in uh, CNBC and it's from October. It says Facebook's meta mission was laid out in a 2018 paper declaring the metaverse is ours to lose. And there's a couple of little bullet points here. In 2018, an Oculus executive named Jason Rubin wrote a 50-page document headlined The Metaverse that he sent to a Facebook board member and some top executives. The paper described in detail Facebook's need to own the virtual reality market with a product that would shut, shut out any future competition. Quote, if delivering the metaverse we set out to build doesn't scare the living hell out of us, then it's not the metaverse we should be building, Rubin wrote. So I'm just going to read you a little of this to give background on what they're doing, and then we can talk about it. In June of 2018, Oculus executive Jason Rubin sent an email to Facebook board member Mark Andreessen with the subject line, The Metaverse. This guy, Mark Andreessen, by the way, very interesting. He's mm -hmm. sort of a internet godfather. I think he was behind the Netscape Navigator browser. He's had, had a hand in Snapchat and TikTok, and he's one of the board members of Meta. Okay. Um, we believe that the right way to break through consumer indifference to virtual reality is to deliver what they expect and want from the medium. The metaverse reads the first slide of a 50 page document outlining a strategy for building a virtual world. The three year old document obtained by CNBC laid the foundation for the futuristic ambitions of Meta, the company that until now was called Facebook. CEO Mark Zuckerberg's hour-long demo on Thursday, which culminated in the announcement of the new company name, was designed to portray a very different world than the one we currently inhabit in a time when Facebook faces a nonstop barrage of negative headlines tied to the addictive nature of its social media products. Zuckerberg told viewers that the company sees the metaverse, which will take five to ten years to go mainstream, as the next frontier in technology, the place where people will live work and play. His presentation came just days after the company announced in its earnings report that the Reality Labs hardware division will become its own financial reporting segment of the fourth quarter. The paper sent to Andre Andreessen in 2018 looks like the first draft of history. It imagined users floating through a digital universe of virtual ads filled with virtual goods that people can buy. There would be virtual people that they can marry while spending as little time as possible in the so-called meatverse, meatverse, M-E-A-T, meatverse. Ah, here we go. Meatverse, referring to uh, the real world. Always, 
they, you know, I'm going to explain to you the metaphysical reason why these people just lay it all out. They just lay it all out. They, they, they don't even hide it. So we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll finish this. And then oh, that, that word is just, yeah, okay. So let me come back to this. Uh, there we are. Okay, so he calls it the meat verse. There would be virtual people they can marry while spending as little time as possible in the so-called meat verse, referring to the real world because humans are flesh and blood. Ruben used the phrase shock and awe 12 times to describe <laughs> the desired experience. <laughs> I can take this off the screen now so we can talk a little bit. I have more to tell you if you, I've been reading a no, lot. Of okay. well, there's a reason I've, I've cut this, okay. I, I blocked this out because I'm just like, you know what? There, there, there's only so much, you know, the house of the devil I can take, man. <laughs> there's only so much. <laughs> right? So does this concern you at all? I've had this, I had this, uh, what's been in my mind about this is I heard this really great sermon uh, my preacher gave a, yeah. a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how a lot of times when we have new technology, we don't question where, whether the technology is moral or not. We just yeah. sort of, are, we say it's just a tool and mm -hmm. like a tool can be used in bad ways or good ways. And for the most part, I actually agree with that, that tools can be used in good ways or bad ways. But he was sort of making an argument that um, we don't always look cumulatively at what the new technology, how it changes us and changes culture. And I would argue maybe our souls. And so one example he was given was that he said, with the advent of the car, the automobile, this, this was supposed to connect us in ways that had never we'd never been connected before. You'd be able to go and, and drive long distances to hang out with loved ones, et cetera. Um, but one of the other things, and it did do that, but one of the other things that the automobile did, he said, is it pushed people away from the town centers, whereas mm -hmm. everybody had lived sort of like in my little town near the town square. You could walk to your doctor, you could walk to your church, your hospital, and people would hang out on porches. And you had this whole culture of knowing your neighbors. Yeah. It was a community and you would stop and talk to people on the stoop. And with the advent of the automobile, it's like people start moving further away, becoming a little more isolated and less connected to that community. And I, that just kind of blew my mind thinking about that. And I, I'm looking at the metaverse, maybe I'm pessimistic, but given that so how addicted, this, am I this realistic? Is, this is satanic, and and I don't use that term lightly. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, what what do you mean by that? Because I'm I'm looking at it as something negative. And yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it is. Look, you know, the, we'd like to believe that virtual reality is going to be like the holodeck from Star Trek, where we can get our fantasies fulfilled and all of that, and take a quick break and go back to working as an engineer on the ship. Right. What it's going to be, or at least what their plan is, is Essentially, this is the ultimate form of absolute mind control and addiction. You know, if people are addicted to their phones right now, they're addicted to Facebook, and they're and they're le and they're largely leading not great lives. And one of the reasons they're they're trying to find community in this online world and often negative community where you're you're gathering together to hate on something, right? It's once people are doing this thing, if this was ever accomplished, the idea would be that to get all the masses essentially uploaded into the matrix. I mean, this is the beginning of the day. I mean, the meat meat was what the, the programs in the Matrix called us, right? I mean, this is, they're not even trying to hide this, right? This That's what this is. And so, yeah, the, the meat first, yeah. But but it also, yes, it is. Age says that it's a it's an anagram of, of metaverse meat first, but it's also intentional because it's also the use reflects a false understanding of things. So my the people I know that are obsessed with these kinds of things, 
that think of human beings as meat de deny the existence of the human soul. They see us yeah. as yeah, they see us as these fit only physical matter, right? As Yoda said, we are not, we are, you know, we, we are luminous beings, are we, not this crude matter. However, they believe we are crude matter. And and so because of that, if you take away the soul and we're just automatons who have deluded ourselves into a sense of autonomy, then you you get people in the virtual reality world, it's they're never gonna wanna leave that for this world because this world. Yeah. It's a spiritual test. There's good things that happen. There's bad things that happen. There's suffering. There's you know dreams that are not fulfilled. All of that is part of God's test for us to grow our soul. But if you're going to deny the soul and go into this world where you think you can have everything, it reminds me of, 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 of a Buddhist story, a Buddhist story of, about uh, a terrible criminal who's like a really ruthless killer and thief and all this stuff. And, and then he dies. And he wakes up in this beautiful garden surrounded by beautiful women who cater to everything he wants, anything he desires instantly manifests for him, right? And he's like, this is incredible. What is it? Uh, I did all that crap and I get this incredible afterlife. I'll take it, right? So he's in the <laughs> heavenly world and, you know, and time goes on, it's eternal. So he comes, but after like a few years, he starts running out of ideas of what he wants to manifest magically, right? And then he's kind of getting bored, right? Because everything happens so easily. Yes. And after a couple of hundred years of this, he's absolutely miserable, right? And he's just depressed and he has anything he wants. He doesn't want anything anymore. He just yes. wants to get out of this. And then he meets an old man he's never seen before in the garden. He's like, hey, you, I've never seen you before. He's like, well, I'm the caretaker of the garden. He's like, hey, so what kind of afterlife is this? This sucks. I got everything I wanted. This is just terrible. He's like, what kind of heaven is this? And the old man goes, oh, you thought you were in heaven? Oh, wow. <laughs> I love that story. Yes. So, and so that's what virtual reality, what their goal is, is to allow us to escape the test of this life, which is the glory of this life, right? Yes. Which is what makes us human and allows us to grow, which is where art comes from. Art doesn't come from an easy life. I know, I'm an artist. Art comes from struggling and pain. And you know, you have your heart broken and then you write this wonderful song, right? That's, it doesn't come from, it comes from going, delving into pain. And that's the gift that God has given us, right? To be able, you know, as, as a Christian, I know that the archetype of transcending pain is so central to the Christian faith of, of, of the crucifixion, right? You know, of facing and transcending that. And so that's part of the human condition. So they want us to deny the soul. They want us to then get this illusory world. And guess what? Once we're in that world, they'll it'll be just like everything else they've done. They'll control it just like Facebook and Twitter. And, and suddenly you'll discover not everything you want is allowed in the virtual reality. And then eventually to a point will come, you can't leave the virtual reality without their permission. And then you're like, here, then you're a battery that's being used to, to you know, <laughs> to keep the system going just like the Matrix, right? This yeah. is literally evolution towards that, step by step. And it's it's you there is only one way this is gonna go. And that's that. It's gonna be the matrix, it's going to that. Okay, I can't wait to have. I want to have you on with my preacher. I think you guys oh, yeah, we should have meet, yeah. so much to talk about. So, you're mentioning the Matrix, and one of the things he pointed out in his sermon that was also interesting to me was that um, a lot of people who are wrong thinkers, we, we kind of use the Matrix, we, we think of it as um, an, an allegory, and, and we can kind of we, we talk about red pilling when you wake up and you see the real world, et cetera. But he pointed out that it's a reversal of Plato's cave, where it, whereas in Plato's cave, you're in the darkness, you're in this cave, you're looking shadows. at shadows on the wall. You think this is awful place is the real world. 
and you if you just step outside the cave into sunlight into the magical reality you would see that you'd been living in this sort of dark echo chamber i'm i'm using my own language here yeah um the matrix is the opposite he's like think about it you're in uh this the beautiful sunlight place is the fake world it's the metaverse it's the place that you're living and when you come into the real world when you're red pilled and you wake up it's dark everybody wears awful clothes you live on a ship you're constantly under attack bad food yeah they're eating no sunlight underground living underground it's just terrible and so that's why you even see one of the characters say put me back in the meta i want to go back in the metaverse right and I had never really contemplated that before, that even though it is a great analogy for waking up to reality, it paints reality as a place that you don't want to be. Well, and- but there, there is a truth to that, which is reality is hard, as we talked about. There is pain and suffering in reality, right? Uh, and that is, that is where the analogy goes. It's the idea is that creating an illusory world to escape the ability to feel pain. When the ability to feel pain is what makes you alive, it is something the angels do not have. They don't share it, right? Uh, the angel, in both of our spiritual traditions, angels don't have physical form and they don't have bodies. They don't have carnal desires. What comes with Hello. Hello, can you see me? Yes, I'm so sorry. See what happened? Well, see, we got a little too close to the truth, right? (laughs) I'm so glad we got to come back. I was thinking, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen now. I'm just trying to restart it. I'm glad you're still here. Right, when you Uh, were at the exciting part. Well, now I'm gonna fight now. Now they're trying to to censor me. (laughs) They're trying to censor me, whatever. (laughs) Oh, wow, everybody, thank you. And chat, I see you, I'm having trouble following along with chat and with Cameron. So if I'm ignoring your chats, it's just because I'm trying to pay attention to Cameron, but we will read some of these later. So you were just, right? You were talking about the bots. You were saying that there is a point to saying reality is more, yeah. we have pain, and, we have and, suffering. And, you know, we have pain, and that's something that trying to avoid that is trying to avoid the soul, which is what I would argue the entire woke movement has been for the last you know, decade yeah. or so that we've been we've been forced to endure it is about denying reality, denying the human soul, denying human agency. The woke have to tell you what to believe and what you have to do because you're you're obviously not human enough to be able to get there on your own, right? And and make those choices for yourself, and you can't be allowed to make those choices. You have everything we're seeing is it trying trying to turn us into a machine? You yeah. know, it's it, that's what this whole thing is is trying to turn us into 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 robots. Uh, it won't succeed because the human soul is real. And even the last two years, despite the fact that, let's say, much of humanity remained asleep, even under the intense pressure we were all under, a part of humanity did wake up to what was yeah. happening. You woke up to a lot of stuff. I woke up to things. There was stuff I didn't know. And I thought I was Mr. Conspiracy Guy. And I'm like, oh, I, I was on the surface of things, right? And so, you know, but humanity is awakening because the soul, that's the mistake that all of these characters, the ones who think of us as meat, don't understand. The soul is real. In fact, it is more real than the physical world, right? And uh, it is the thing that is eternal. It connects us to God. So it can't actually be stifled. It can't be, you know, I remember years ago, 
20, 30 years ago, I remember having a conversation with a kid when I was in law school who was an engineer, and he was saying how his whole goal was to learn, his whole life's mission was to figure out how to download the human brain into a computer. And I said to him back then, that's not possible because the human consciousness isn't in the brain. So you're, you're, you're chasing an illusion. It's not there, right? The, yeah. the human brain is a transceiver. It just receives consciousness and manifests it in this particular time-space reality. But when we die, just the transceiver shut off, but the consciousness is still there, right? It's just yeah. not focused in that place. And so he couldn't, he couldn't grasp that because he saw the world as meat. He sees the world as meat. This is, this is interesting. I want to hear a little bit about mm -hmm. your spiritual mm -hmm. beliefs because mm -hmm. I, as you know, I'm pretty new to Christianity. I still mm -hmm. say new. It's only been a few years and I, I feel very well, I mean, new. I'm still learning. Well, that's good that, because, yeah, I, as Jesus said, you have to be like a child to have the kingdom of heaven and for children, <laughs> everything is new, right? Right. And, and he's factored in my stupidity and my slowness. <laughs> I, re I read that the other day. I was like, that's good. <laughs> but um, the reason that I started thinking about e even questioning if there was something, the existence of God, my path back, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I started, I became obsessed with this question that you're talking about. Are we just mm -hmm. meat with computer brains? And I was, I was thinking, like, is it just a physical body and a computer brain, or is there something else? What is consciousness? What separates us from the animal kingdom? Does something separate us from the animal kingdom? And so I started thinking about all those, and that was the very beginning of my, my journey to God. Have you always had a belief that, that in something that you call a soul or... Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I've always believed in God. I mean, uh, I can tell you the, the moment that was the first time that I even thought about God, it was when I was four years old, right? I can tell you the exact moment, right? Uh, it was, uh, I we had just immigrated from Pakistan. We had a little apartment in Queens, New York, right? And our crappy little TV set with a little, remember those days when you had channel switchers, the only three channels, ABC, NBC, CBS, right? So we had that. And it was, it was, uh, I remember when it was, it was Passover of sort of in April of 1976. And we had immigrated in like January. And so I was just learning English from watching the Magilla Gorilla cartoons and stuff like that, right? And so what? And it was Passover because it was the Ten Commandments was on TV. And my dad put it on. And I was four years old. And I, I watched and I was absolutely, utterly blown away. You're a four-year-old kid. You're watching this. The Red Sea is splitting open. The pillar of fire. Moses with the Ten. I mean, you're just watching this thing, right? And 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 uh, he, 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 even then I had to think for Ann Baxter as Nefertari. I was like, oh, she's very pretty, right? So even a four-year-old, like, oh, wow, she's really pretty, right? <laughs> So I had like a big crush on that. I didn't, didn't even know what that meant. I just had goosebumps, and I was like, "Why am I looking at this pretty girl?" I'm thinking this whatever. She's so, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. I, 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 I guess like people say they knew when they were four they were gay. I knew when I was four I was hetero man. I was like, "Oh, hello." You know, so <laughs> whatever. So I'm watching Adbacks or Nefertari, you know. <laughs> so, but I'm blown away by this movie. And at the end, I remember my heart racing with the Red Sea split open. I'm just sat there for four hours straight on a Sunday night, you know, in April '76, watching this, and it was over. And when I was, it was all over at the end, I turned to my dad and I asked him, what is God? Because I'm four, I had never thought about it, right? And just four years old, right? Children just intuit God. They don't think about it, right? And so I said, what is God? And my dad, this is, I remember this. I could, it's like being virtual reality. I remember, I remember the color of his shirt. I remember all of it. It was such a life-transforming moment for me. Uh, he took me on his lap and he said, God is the light of the universe. And Moses saw one ray. And wow. that always struck me. I mean, he's a very simple guy, but that's a very profound statement, right? And it, I never forgot that. And it launched two things in my life. It launched my love for filmmaking. And, you know, I write huge historical epic films because Cecil DeMille inspired me, right? That's one. 
And number two uh, is it started my spiritual quest because from that day on, I thought about God every day and I became obsessed with finding it. And I, I started, you know, reading lots of books and my spiritual tradition. And, and even 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 though I didn't know what it was at the time, uh, I had books on the Sufi mystical tradition. I didn't even know what they were, but they were stories and accounts of people that had, you know, miraculous experiences and things like that. And, you know, just the same way the Christians read books about personal personal experience of Christ. Right. And so and these were very profound things that influenced me. So I've always intuited God. And it doesn't mean I've always been a great person. And that's part of that realization. Right. It doesn't mean I haven't at times rebelled. I, you know, there were there was a time when I just stopped praying, stopped doing all the rituals of Islam because I was angry with God. But I but I was never I was never not believing in God. I still had a relationship with him. I was just pissed off. You were angry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just pissed off. God was always there, right? <laughs> it was never like there is no God. Like, oh God, why are you doing this? Right. And then I got through that period, right? Yeah. And so so that I always had this and then you know then I and I always used to be which one of these is not like the other right and when you're a kid you're a Muslim growing up in America so that's already which one of these is not like the other and then as I get older I start going to college and I'm meeting all the young 18 year old Marxist atheists who discovered the truth of things right and then I'm, and I'm like I'm like praying and fasting and stuff like that and in college like the hell are you doing right I mean you're in I, I remember a conversation I had with a classmate who was uh, who was uh Swedish and literally he just didn't want to he started first trying to mock my faith and then when I started to explain why do you believe what you believe and I started deconstructing how he saw the world like the meat universe he became incredibly uncomfortable because he'd never had a question and his whole sense of reality started to shift that maybe his presumptions were self-evidently false right and then right. he just got up and left he couldn't take it he couldn't take it interesting have you I want to take this back to metaverse for a second. Have yeah. you heard of uh, Nozix? I don't know if I've talked about this with you. I know I've talked about mm -hmm. it before, but Nozix experience machine, the thought experiment. I'm not familiar with this. Tell me about so it. So this is something that they, some teachers, uh, I think probably philosophy teachers will, will talk about this with students. And mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't taught this in school, but um, I ran across a teacher online who was talking about how she's taught the music's experience machine the it's a thought experiment where they say okay kids imagine that there's a machine that you can go inside of and and it's basically virtual reality but he did this i think in the 70s but he said you go in this machine and it just generates positive emotions for you for the rest of your life um but the catch is yeah, <laughs> yeah but the catch is you have to live in it well if you go in the machine you can't come out and so you give well that's the buddhist hell there that's the buddhist hell they described yes that's exactly what you described and so usually she this teacher said th that she's taught the experience machine knows experience machine every year for some odd years and mm -hmm. that this was the first year where almost everyone except for one of her students said they would go in the machine they would go in there for life and that that was very startling for her because usually the thought experiment causes people to think well what would that be like if you can't if you can't leave a place with those pleasurable experiences, like the, the Buddhist hell you talked about. And there's they, no contrast, so there's no meaning. Yeah. So there's no meaning. But but yeah. she was saying, like young people now, they're looking at that and saying, Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Put me in the machine. Well, well but that's the tragedy of that is because their lives have become so meaningless that they they they're I mean, the, the, the tragedy of what I'm seeing, especially about young people, I'm seeing my friends' kids and all that. Just, they're living in a state of constant sort of subtle despair, mm -hmm. right? And they're trying to escape that with this machine and this video game and this, that, and that. And nothing is filling the black hole. And so that that what they think they want 
what the soul is longing for is coming back to God. But they don't have that terminology culturally anymore. They don't know how to do that. So they think a, a machine that will give them eternal bliss is what's going to fill this hole. Yeah. Just constant bliss. So I want to bring up a, another article. Um, this one's very interesting. This is that same guy, Mark Anderson, okay. who I mentioned, who's on the board of Meta, Facebook's mm -hmm. Meta. So, let's, just call them, let's just call it the Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix. He's on the board of the Matrix, guys. So this is an article called Reality Privilege <laughs> uh, and Living Your Life Online. So they're starting to borrow the terminology of social justice of this woke Marxist stuff. And they're starting to talk about and defend moving us all into this permanent virtual reality by using that privilege um, and, and marginalized dynamic, the oppressor and the oppressed dynamic. So and we are so, privileged for living in the material world? That, yes, is that the concept? For living in the meatverse. And so if you scroll down, and I'm not going to read this whole piece, I just want to yeah. read the excerpt of the interview. The reality privilege, I see that. It's like, yes. Bram, bram, my eyes are like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so in a recent interview, Mark Andrinson, who's on the board mm -hmm. of Meta or The Matrix, yeah. he was asked about, you know, he was asked this question about, are we just pushing people into this false reality? Um, is this healthy for them? And here's his answer, everyone. He says, your question is a great example of what I call reality privilege. Sorry, shaming the questioner. Here we go. Yeah. So start right. This is a paraphrase of a concept articulated by Bo Cronin. Quote, consider the possibility that a visceral defense of the physical and an accompanying dismissal of the virtual is as inferior or escapist is a result of super user privileges. A small percentage of people live in a real world environment that is rich, even overflowing with glorious substance, beautiful settings, plentiful stimulation, and many fascinating people to talk to and to work with and to date. These are also all of the people who get to ask probing questions like yours. Everyone else, the vast majority of humanity, lacks reality privilege. Their online world is or will be immeasurably richer and more fulfilling than most of the physical and social environment around them in the quote unquote oh, real well. world. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I'm just going to try to get through. The reality privilege, of course, call this conclusion dystopian and demand that we prioritize improvements in reality over improvements. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to feed the poor. We need to get this matrix working. <laughs> we need to fix the matrix. <laughs> this is real. This is real. <laughs> Demand that we prioritize improvements in reality over improvements in virtuality. To which I say, reality has had 5,000 years to get get good, and it's clearly still woefully lacking for most people. I don't think we should wait another 5,000 years to see if it eventually closes the gap. We should build, and we are building, online worlds that make life and work and love wonderful for everyone, no matter what level of reality deprivation, reality deprivation they find themselves in. And then... Okay. Okay, we can stop. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, this is this is a real person, right? This is this isn't like a bot that created like an unbelievable character. Right? This, this is, is an actual a board member Thanks. of Meta, Facebook's Meta, the Metaverse. Okay. So I've now concluded that we are actually living. We're not living in the in the Matrix. We're living in V. 
where you've got all these people that are actually <laughs> reptilian aliens wearing masks who are running things, right? <laughs> We're living in V. Um, all right. So I'm going to answer this idiot with one sentence. I, uh, my spiritual teachers are in West Africa. I've mentioned that in Senegal, and I've been there multiple times, right? They are the people of Senegal, West Africa, are the poorest people I've ever met, and they're the happiest people I have ever met. It's as simple as that. I went there. The kids are out there in the streets without shoes, playing and running around, chasing a ball, chasing this, that. They're joyous. I took my mom there. I took my mom there because she was like, what is this West Africa? I said, let's go. You should go on this spiritual journey. We went in there. And she's like, I've never seen anything like this. She said, this reminds me of what Pakistan was like in the 1940s when I was a little girl before it became all very modernized. Again, with the loss of community to, to, cult, uh, to the modern world. And she said, these people... They don't know they're lacking something. They don't know they're lacking anything. They're incredibly happy. And this is, again, the privilege of, and it's, frankly, it's, it's, there's, there's racism, there's bigotry, there's class superiority here. You know, that's why the people that go to Africa, a lot of Hollywood people go to Africa to do this and that, and they don't absorb what's actually happening is that the African people are teaching them. They always think they're, I'm here to save these poor, poor African people. I'm like, when I'm there, I felt humbled. I'm like, these, these people yeah. don't know how I live in Santa Monica, Los Angeles. They don't care. They don't want it. They just want to be around nature. And they're playing with a little stray cat in this, you know, stone hut. And they're the happiest people I've ever met. And I just, it humbled me. It shamed me. And I mean, they don't, none of these kids have like, they're not running around with these stupid machines. And so this is the arrogance, the privilege of a classist who say these people are not happy. Let's upload them into a system to make them happy the way I think they are, which is going to make them everyone miserable like this person. Like this person. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I wish I had something to disagree with you on, but I don't. I think it's... it's At this point, I had a conversation with him as a Hollywood liberal who's sort of like, you know, he's, he's like, what's happening? I mean, everything's gotten so out of control. He's like, you know... I don't understand where politics are right now. I said, look, it's not liberal versus conservative, buddy, right now. Right now, it's normal people versus dangerous authoritarians. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, we're not arguing about whether there should whether whether the government should have this much involvement in the economy. We're arguing about whether you have the right to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> we're arguing whether you have the right to breathe. I mean, that's where we're at. So it's no longer liberal versus conservative. It's normal people versus dangerous madmen. This is yeah. a dangerous madman. Absolutely. I think like you said, we were talking at the beginning, truth is stranger than fiction. I also think that's why sometimes for the people who haven't woken up, you know, who haven't left the matrix, Mm -hmm. I think it's because it's too impossible to believe. Like sometimes I've questioned, okay, if they, if they were to take all of the events, like all of the lockdowns of the past two years, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates, the way things were ramped up, the way they, they used public health and public good to justify restriction, uh, restrictions on freedoms and liberty. If they were to put that into a movie and you're a screenwriter, so yeah, I said, it, it's not believable. No one would believe that. No one would believe it. But I was thinking for a while, maybe that's what would wake people up because you almost have to dramatize. You have to tell the story, even though it's unfolding around them. They can't see it. It's too it's too close and it's too unbelievable. But if you were to fictionalize it and maybe tone it down a little, they could see like, oh, this is what's happening. Do you think or no? Well, I, I think people are faced with two options right now, and it's going to accelerate literally with each passing day this year and probably through this decade, right? The two options are wake up and see the this bizarre reality we actually are living in and accept that that's what's actually happening, that, it, this, that we're not living in the world we thought we were, right? That's one option. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other option is to 
go further and further into uh, inner dystopia of, of disconnect from reality, which is the other, that's why we're seeing so many unfortunate rise of suicides and widespread further depression. It's people that facing this reality is too much. So you begin to go into an essentially a psychotic state, a psychotic state, go into it. You're seeing that right now where the moment I, even the next stage for all these people that, you know, for a variety of reasons, they're moving on past COVID, you know, the, the grand conspirators are moving on past it, but now they've got an army of zombies that won't move past it. Yeah. I mean, I see this here in Los Angeles, uh, a, a producer friend of mine that I used to go to see before all of this, we used to go to see movies and premieres together. We're very close friends once a week for several years. And then we haven't hung out for the last two years because of all this, he didn't want to. And then finally he was like, okay, even LA has lifted all restrictions and things have returned to normal, right? And I invited him to a premiere today. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't go. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not ready. I'm like, well, when are you gonna be ready, buddy? The rest of this crazy city has moved on. He ain't going to be because he still, he, he, he still, he once said this to me, which reveals everything of the psychosis. He said this to me. He said, even if Fauci is lying to us, he's doing it for our own good. Oh. Oh, that makes me feel so great. Because the enough information that hit him that this doesn't actually make sense. Yeah. And that this guy's story keeps changing every 12 hours, right? But he couldn't let go of being in the club of the right people. Yeah. So even though at some point, even his brain is like, yeah, okay, okay. Cognitive distance, none of it doesn't feel right. None of this is true. But if he has to be doing it for the right reason. So, yeah. And so he's gone. He's embraced psychosis. Because it's, the reality coming into my world, maybe this guy's just a sleazy bureaucrat, you know, working for the pharmaceuticals. That's not even, we're not talking about aliens and reptiles. We're talking about a sleazy bureaucrat that's on the payroll of pharmaceuticals companies. That's a believable character in a Hollywood movie. That doesn't require you to jump too far. That's believable. Yeah. But he's so emotionally invested in false reality that he can't even get there. And so he's now actually embraced cognitive dissonance. He's embraced psychosis. Yeah. I think... Uh... There, there's a part, Gene Ellis just said, uh, can you imagine the power over people when you can threaten to cut off the online world? It's taking their drug away because they're saying it's a drug. It'd be, I mean, this this whole thing, unfortunately, it's going to go far. They're going to get a lot of these poor kids to do this. And they're just going to create, we think we've got, we call the non-player characters. What happens when these, these NPCs are all strapped into a centralized brainwashing machine? Yeah. See, that's that's... That's one of the crazy things about this is because what you're describing, your friend who, it, it's almost like he doesn't even need the metaverse. He's already controlled to such a degree that it's affecting his behavior, the way he thinks, his fears, um, his his ability to reason, you know, to be rational. And, but the metaverse takes it, I mean, that much further. It's like, let's actually get you plugged in. This is what you get used to is your reality and everything comes through. If that, that's the way they're describing it is a place where you live and you work and you fall in love and you marry and you have all these relationships it's in the, the matrix. Virtual world. Yeah. It's just the matrix. It's what yeah. it is. And I mean, they don't even, so, so, okay. Now bringing it to spiritual terms that I think uh, you and I can, can, can meet on, which is they're essentially creating the army of the antichrist. <laughs> that's what they're doing here. That's what they're trying to create. That's what this entire process is. Okay. We're like, how did that happen? We're watching it happen. I've got something to show you. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this one up today, but since you're going yeah. there, let's go there. Um, let's go there. This is an interesting piece on Medium 
called, uh, let's see, transhumanism is Satanism with a brain chip. Correct. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of interesting stuff in this piece. If you guys want to find this on Medium, maybe Pirate or Cole can put some of these links in the chat. Um, but I just wanted to scroll down and talk about, let me find this one piece. So <clears throat> this guy goes through the history of some of these people who are pushing for transhumanism and are pushing for what you talked about your friend, Cameron, who was saying, who didn't understand your friend in college, a Swedish friend who said, we should be able to eventually one day take the human brain and upload it to the cloud. And then you have this, this sort of transhuman. Well, then they, you have, finally you have, his goal was eternal life. That's eternal the life. Yes. That's the goal, right? So this piece gets into that. And so he said a lot of this, a lot of the people writing about this stuff and pushing for this stuff, it started in the 90s. So I'm just going to start reading in the middle here. Um, of all the arrogant blasphemies uttered by techno lovers, none gets to the point quite like Moore's 1991 essay in Praise of the Devil, published in Atheist Notes. Burning with the fire of youth and possibly void rage, <laughs> Moore wrote, quote, this article is written in praise of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, or whatever you want to call him. I am quite serious on a symbolic level in what I write, but my statements praising the devil and attacking Christianity, God, and Jesus are not to be taken as implying the real existence of any of these supposed beings. Lucifer means light bringer, and this should begin to clue us in to his symbolic importance. Lucifer is the embodiment of reason, of intelligence, of critical thought. He stands against the dogma of God and all other dogmas. He stands for the exploration of new ideas and new perspectives in the pursuit of truth. Well, that's just Anton LaVey. I mean, that's just the Church of Satan stuff from the 60s repurposed. Something new in that. Yeah, Yeah, he goes on, actually. He does end up quoting LaVey, uh, Aleister Crowley, and it, I, I don't want to get because too much. Aleister Crowley believed in metaphysical beings. <laughs> so, LaVey was just, you know, LaVey was just, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm an atheist con artist, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into that piece. If anybody wants to go read the rest of it, it is interesting. I don't know enough about about those connections. And so it was interesting to me because it was sort of, look, there's all these people who are openly pushing Satanism, even if they say it's symbolic and they don't actually believe in Satan, but they're pushing it along with this push towards virtual reality and transhumanism. And I was like, what is this? I need to know more about this. Well, again, this is a... Uh, the old thing, you know, the greatest trick the devil uh, the devil did was make people believe he's not real, right? And so the people that follow the devil don't actually even believe they're doing that, right? They think they're talking about it in a philosophical archetype, right? And so they're actually right. working for an actual entity. <laughs> so they don't even realize that because that's the joke of it, right? Uh, you know, the devil is many ways like the Joker in Batman, right? And so yeah. you know, and so manipulating you that way. But you know, it's what it is on on. If they want to talk about archetypes, let's go to archetypes. The archetype of what they're talking about here is essentially. You know, this this is essentially the, the idea of man thinking he can become God. That's all versions of this. The virtual reality, the metaverse, all this is thinking that you can become God, right? Uh, and It goes on to works. say that in that piece. Right. So this is a way to become a real God, right? Uh, um, the, the tragedy of all of this, the tragedy of all of this is that if people don't know, they already have all this. Like my buddy wanted to download the brain to achieve eternal life. You already got eternal life, buddy. I mean, you're chasing something you already have. That's a tragedy of all of this, right? You know, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, you know, if, if you if you believe, you can make the mountain move. If you believe, you know, you can do all. So 
you can make miracles happen. I've seen miracles. You've seen miracles. I mean, I, that's our, 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 you know, our conversation we have on unsafe space with Carter, who, who you know says he's an atheist. I'm not exactly sure of that, but that's what he says, right? So, but we're, whatever. I mean, I've seen things that violate the laws of science and physics as we understand them with my own eyes. So I'm like, okay. Um, so if that's possible, why do I need a machine to give me that? Why do I need virtual reality to make me be able to fly when there are holy people that can levitate, right? I mean, in this material world, I mean, that's a real thing. And so it's, we, what this is, is an effort to deny the incredible divine power, the spark of God that is within us, which can do remarkable things by giving you the illusion that you can create that with technology, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that, what you do is you end up devolving down uh, you know, there, there, there's a verse in the Quran which quotes God as saying, we created human beings, created man in the highest form. And then he drops down to the lowest of the low by his own choice, you know, except for those that that believe in God, work righteousness. But literally, it's like the nature of human beings is you're created in the highest form above the angels. You have abilities latent within you that are beyond what angels can do. Right. And then you forget all that and you go down below the animals. Because even animals don't want virtuality. They just want to. They just want to live in the material world. The, that the meat verse. Yeah. The meat verse, and they're happy with it, right? They're, they're not. No animals. They're not vegans. They're happy. Oh, I'm gonna eat that. I'm gonna eat that lamb right there. I'm gonna kill. They're, they're not, they don't think about this stuff. We go beneath that, right? We go beneath that. The point is, animals are like, what's wrong with these human beings, right? You know, I mean, literally, we drop from higher than the angels, and we do it to ourselves. Can we do it? And that's what all of this is. That's this, all of this metaverse crap, all of this is degrading us down below to the worst possible spiritual state by can not I, knowing we don't have everything. Can I ask, go back a second and ask you, have you, if, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, that's okay. But what, yeah. have you seen, what, what kind of miraculous things are you talking about? Because I haven't seen, sure. I, I have seen what I would call miracles. Absolutely. Oh, personal transformation, things like that. Yeah. Yes. And, and mm -hmm. things that have happened in my life mm -hmm. that would not have happened. I don't know how to, I know any, and we have atheists in our audience and yeah, thank you for bearing with me as I explain it, but at least, you know, no, from my percep perception, they wouldn't have happened without God. And you just have to trust me on that and maybe choose not to, that's okay. But there's things in my life that should not have happened. Mm -hmm. Transformation, development, mm -hmm. um, relationships, just, uh, that that I can't explain any other way, and those yeah. weird coincidences and things yeah. that you're talking about, yeah. right? But what do you mean? Have Impossible you seen moments that violate the odds? Yes. Yes. Have you seen? You're talking about people levitating. Do you believe people? Can well, levitate? I, I I will say this. You know, again, this these are just personal experiences, and people can say, well, that just Cameron's being wacky, right? So, look, I'm I'm a Sufi, which are mystics, right? And uh, and so my Sufi masters, um, they have. I'll just give you an example that I feel comfortable sharing. Okay, mm -hmm. so. My Sufi masters are very deeply connected. They're sitting in a village in Africa, right? They they reached, they contacted me. I didn't contact them. They literally had a friend of mine who was a follower of their spiritual tradition reach out to me and say, hey, my sheikh, my spiritual teacher, saw you in a dream, and he knows who you are. I was like, what? And so he gave me, he wants to call you. And so, all right, so I called. And they and they, they speak, you know, native languages there, African languages and French. So I would have a translator translate. And when I first called, this was maybe 15 years ago, I first called, I was like, what is this all about, right? Uh, the, the the sheikh the initial thing was just you know I, I saw you in this vision and I feel I want to let you know you know you've been you know you your spiritual power comes from your relationship with your mother she's a very holy woman and you should take better care of her you've been working very hard in Hollywood and struggling for many years but now you have money you got to take better care of her I was like okay that's not like, particularly miraculous about that huh? anybody can call you and say take better care of your mom right uh, 
But from that moment on, the link that was connected, uh, which is literally, I will get phone calls. Sometimes the point of annoyance is like a call will come from Africa saying, hey, you know that girl you met at the party last night? She's not good for you. Like that kind of stuff. Like they're sitting in a village, right? And yeah. it's just like, I mean, that kind of stuff. It's like, I and mean, that's even Carter would be like, well, I've told, shared these stories with people like Carter who are skeptic. And they're thinking, well, then maybe they're tapping your phone. I'm like, yeah, I don't think these dudes in Africa have the resources to tap my phone to follow me all day long. And they got nothing. And then I asked me for money. So, I mean, it's been 10 years of this. So, I don't know. <laughs> and it would be to follow my personal love life around. But but it's literally like, I have a problem at the office. I'll get a call the next day. I mean, I'm used to it. I'm literally going to call the next day and say, hey, you need to be careful of the tall guy in the office. He's plotting against you. I mean, I'm used to that, right? I've been having these the last couple of weeks, you know, like my stuff is going in my personal life. And they'll be calling me like, hey, this is what I want to tell you. I'm not reaching. I mean, they're, they're, so that's not normal or probable. And one can say, well, Cameron's making that story up or there's something that he doesn't know that's happening, that they're tracking him, whatever. I know from 15 years of this that th that kind of experience doesn't fit in our understanding of how human beings, you know, a dude sitting in a, a little village, and I've been to the little village in Africa, sitting in a little village with very little technology in Africa, knows about my love life, knows about what's happening in my personal life, knows about my career, is able to give me direct things that are happening. And it's not like once, it's like, kind of bi-weekly thing for the last decade. So whatever. And their Christians will have similar experiences yes. with their spiritual teachers. You've heard these stories. I had a moment. This is so, I didn't, I didn't even think about this to you talking mm -hmm. about it, but um, okay. this mug that I'm drinking of mm -hmm. today, um, mm -hmm. my friend, Chris Kaiser, who was in our book club and people may know mm -hmm. him from face, the Facebook book club. Mm -hmm. um, I met him online. We became friends. He, uh, I met him in person in November at the last Better Discourse Conference, and he came from Oklahoma to say hello. And it was it was just it was really nice to get to hang out with him. And he told me as I was leaving that night, um, I was with uh, Ariel, who's going to be on the show on Thursday. He he pulled me aside and said, "I just want to tell you, God has put it on my heart to to tell you to pray for you about this thing." And he told me what he was praying for, and it was so just. Out, something out of the blue and it was very specific and he was right and um he ended that up passing, yeah he ended oh. up um he passed away wow in january um it was he's uh anyway i'm sorry i don't want to talk too much i, no, I anyway this is for chris <laughs> he uh he we've had two people in our book club who who passed away and then hadn't heard from them online. And as you do in the metaverse and in this world, there's so many people that you interact with now daily that you wouldn't have done before the internet. And so you think, well, they're just taking a break or I haven't heard from them in a while. And because that had already happened with another friend, I was a little, had heightened paranoia about it this time. And so I was mm -hmm. checking in with them and hadn't heard back. And we were supposed to send each other a package and I hadn't heard back. And then um, I just Googled him in his town and found he had passed um, wow. And it seems like it was most likely from COVID, but uh, that's a whole nother thing. I'm so angry. We, we can talk about this another time. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Yes. Yeah, I'm so angry about the fact that, um, I will just say this, with everything that's going on with Ukraine and Russia and we're all, all the stuff that's in the news every day and there's new, you know, there's always something new to be outraged about and they're very good at shifting the narrative. Uh -huh. Somebody in, in, uh, on Twitter mentioned this earlier and I think I saw it in chat. I don't think we're ever going to be able to hold them accountable for this virus and for, you know, I am angry about all the deaths. I am angry about, they, they got us so distracted about the vax and the mass mandates and all the, that, that nobody's even talking about like, where did this thing come from anymore? It just sort of 
they did a great job of saying no it just uh, developed oh, I, I've had people tell me it doesn't matter where it came from I'm like yeah if this was a biologically engineered weapon yeah. doesn't matter no it doesn't matter well then I, I don't know what to say to that anymore I mean just then you're dealing yeah. with people like they they, they are embracing psychosis Yes. Because the reality is too painful. It's too hard to come into the. So I'm going to embrace, even though I know that's a crazy thing to say, it, that we should that we have nothing to hold account with these people, that we've injected yeah. these kids, we've ruined kids' lives, they can't communicate anymore because they don't recognize emotions, little children, right? They're all confused. You know, they prefer psychosis. It's safer. Right. Right. Well, I, I'm sorry to get off on that tangent, but that's something I do want to yeah, talk but, to you about later because well, I, I don't, I don't want us to forget. Yeah, that's that's the the most important thing of the past two years is where did this come from, and is our taxpayer money? Who was behind going? all of this? Exactly, the global unified <laughs> yeah. destruction of our society. I mean, yeah. with the same words, everyone is using "build back better." Everyone is using the same. I mean, it's like the it, it was like automatons. It was like robots everywhere, just doing the same stuff. None of which made any sense. And then, it, and it was also the death of science. It was the death of the scientific method. Where we went back, to, I was like, you know, Galileo and Copernicus would be watching, going, yeah, here we go again, right? <laughs> here yeah. we go again, right? Yeah, mob mentality. Everyone's telling you what reality is. You can't question it, right? You you can't use scientific method. If you use it, you are a heretic, right? And so, you know, we're just going back to that cycle because that's that's that devolution of humanity to the lowest yeah. of the low. But this is part of that because this last two years of what we've endured, regrettably, looks like chapter one. You yeah. Know, <laughs> When 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 the first year of 2020 ended, some someone someone posted uh, some bright person on social media posted this. And he's like, "Oh, you think it's over?" Like everyone thought, that, you know, 2021 was going to be things returning to normal, right? And he, this this sort of wise person posted, "You're going to look back and go, 2020 was year one of this decade, and the 2021 is going to be year two, and then 2022. Oh, guys, we're in a global war now. Here we go in yeah. hyperinflation, right? Here we go breakdown of our uh, these masks are off our face, but we can't afford to buy wheat. Okay, here we go. That's yeah. 2022. Let's see what 2023 is going to be. And this is this is the decade of complete breakdown of the illusion that we have lived in for the last century, and that's a horrific breakdown. I was like, I didn't, yeah. you know. My dad passed in 2010. I'm like, thank God he didn't live here to see this. I mean, he, you know, and uh, and so because we, we got to go through it. Yeah, I'll fight you naked. Says the best we'll get is a few fall guys and a couple of resignations, if that. Yeah, if that. But you know, but I don't despair about that because from my perspective, there's no escaping their accountability. God knows what they did, right? Mm -hmm. God knows what their agendas were, and uh, and they they won't escape that. You know, it would be I believe in the afterlife, here's my metaphysical belief, they will have wished that they got their accountability in this one, that they mm -hmm. cleaned their books up in this one. They will have preferred that. But that, that's something they're all going to figure out for themselves. Can I can I ask you a qu another question that mm -hmm. uh, has been rattling around in my brain for a few months now, and I've, mm -hmm. I've been asking everyone, this is what happens when I get obsessed with a question. <laughs> so um, how can I phrase this? So I'm thinking about how do you get people out of bad ideology, right? Like the belief system I was in, the social justice belief system. And for a while I was thinking that you didn't need, that my route is just one route, right? Like I left and then I found God, but I know people who have left and haven't. And mm -hmm. and and I, I, some of these people I count as very good friends. And so for a while I was thinking, well, not everyone needs that. That's not a human thing that we need Something we need something to believe in, someone something to worship. But lately, I've started questioning that. And I've started wondering: Is that 
is that something innate to humans that we need it is it is it is something innate. to worship we are bigger we are, than ourselves yeah I, and i use this phrase before you said this is a phrase that your pastor used which is homo religioso that's what we are we're not homo yeah. sapiens right we are we are beings that are created to worship and you know the in in, in my in my faith in the quran god, you know god says we created man to worship us. That's why we were created. We created you to worship God. That's why we created you, right? And uh, God speaks in the royal we in the Quran, right? And so, so we created you to worship us, right? And so that that's uh, so in any believing faith that makes sense, right? That's the nature of human beings. We so we are created to seek transcendence. Animals don't need it. They're already connected to transcendence. Animals, you know, know God. They don't have our thinking process about it. They just experience reality, which is the divine, right? We with our wonderfully evolved human brain have allowed, the, the brain disconnects us from that because we think that our reason will, will make sense of the cosmos. The last two years has been using our reason to try to control a virus and our reason proved to be somewhat deficient in being able to do so because reason has a valuable thing. It's a tool, but it is not a tool that can that is all powerful. It has a limit, which is why we call it the leap of faith. There is a point where reason no longer works, and that's inherent to the cosmos. Uh, and this is why I believe faith is programmed into us just from a quantum level, because one of the basic things we learned in quantum physics 20th century was the, uh, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, that you cannot know everything about the universe. But you can, you can know the, the, uh, the momentum of a particle, you know how fast it's going, or you can know where it is. Because the moment you know where it is, you don't know how fast it's going, it's stopped, right? Mm -hmm. But we know it's fast it's going, you don't know where it is because it's moving so fast, right? So you'll never know where it is, but you'll know how fast it's going. It's impossible to know both of those at the same time by definition. So it is impossible in the material world to, to have all the information. So there is a moment where every one of us faces that uncertainty gap. And that is what faith is. Faith is the bridge over the uncertainty gap, right? And it is necessary because we cannot function in reality when uncertainty is inherent to the cosmos. There's no way out of it. It's mm -hmm. the law of the universe that God has made. So the only way over the uncertainty is faith. And if you don't have faith in the in the spiritual traditions that have survived, all the major religions have survived thousands of years for a reason, because they work. They wouldn't survive more than one generation if they didn't work, if they didn't provide human beings a way to relate to the to reality that works, right? You can deny all of those and do what we've been doing for the last century, from the last couple of generations, which is using our logic and our intellect to cover that gap. And then you're just making up stuff. You're just making up stuff and hoping it works. So the last two years, just making up stuff, right? You know, the mask will work because yes. I believe it. It's making up stuff. It just, and so we will always worship. It is who we are. There's to function. Look in at what we did. Yeah, we turned, you're, you're just, uh, okay, you're helping to shed some light on this for me yeah. and I'm looking at it this way. Yes, how did we respond to COVID? I say we, the collective we as a society, mm -hmm. we turn to belief now. You didn't, I didn't, I didn't turn well, to Because we already faith. had that cover. We, we already had, had faith. Right. But we as <laughs> yeah. a society were like, okay, what did we do? We put faith in these figures like Fauci. We put faith in, in Even things. Even if that Fauci is lying, he's doing for our own good. So it's God knows best. Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to come to that opinion. I'm, I, I don't know. My mind's still open about it and I'm questioning. This is why I'm talking to everyone about this because I'm trying to figure it you out. Know, and Because and, 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 okay, you're seeing friends of ours that, that have woken up to the, that this ain't right, but they're also like, well, God isn't real. So like I said, we Sufis say, you know, the testimony of faith in Islam is la ilaha illallah. There is no God, but God. So we're like, oh, you're halfway there. You're at the, there's no God part. You're halfway there. Right. 
right. you're halfway there on the journey. You've got to get to a place where the gods as we imagine them, which is all of our gods, which includes Fauci, which, which includes this false scientism, all of that stuff, these gods that we've invented, those aren't real. That's the first stage of the journey to actual faith is a recognition that these gods that we have invented in our minds, whether they are iconic beings or, or supernatural stories, or whether they are these stories about people and their invincibility and the Marxian historical process, these are all gods we've invented. They're not real. We have to get yeah. to that horrific realization that the world we thought existed isn't real. The gods we had weren't real. Now, the next stage, which is the leap of faith stage, but there is God, there is reality. So it's not this, what is reality? That's the leap. And everyone has to make that leap of their own free will or not and at their own time. But I'm, all of our friends were at that thing. They're at the edge of uncertainty and it's terrifying because the I'm, leap, they don't know what's going to happen when they leap. They don't know the leap. I, I'm starting to think, okay, so for some of my friends who are atheists but mm -hmm. anti-woke. Mm -hmm. um, like our friend Carter, like our friend Carter. Right. I'm starting to think that like the way to talk to the, it, it, it's almost a, I'm starting to think maybe the way to talk to them is to say, maybe you don't need this thing, but humanity in general, I think does. And if you don't give them a good uh, belief system and you don't give them something that works, as you're pointing out, all of these major, that that if I'm talking to someone who doesn't believe God, I can't ground it in, well, God is real and I believe this because I have to ground it in what do most people need. And so maybe that's the way to talk about that because I... I do really? think I do think that most people way. need it, and they will find they will and find they'll find bad people. ones. They'll find bad. The last yeah. two years is people making a bad religion. Like I said, it, this is I mean, these people like science. Science says, well, science. Even your official bureaucrat science says you can go back to normal. I'm not ready for that. I'm like, what do you mean you're not ready for that? I thought you believed in science. It doesn't mean it's like my faith. My faith isn't ready for this. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's just the belief. So if you don't give people the effectively functioning things that have proven themselves over centuries to make sense of the cosmos and make families function, and make societies function, they will choose bad things. They will always fill that gap. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think people, I think people need both. I think they need reason and faith. Cause like you said, reason is finite and re you're limited by your own ability to reason. And so the, the way that I see it, if, if you do believe that humans that we all worship something. And and I heard Jordan Peterson talk about this once and he said, if you don't believe that you worship something, just watch your behavior and that will tell you, that will give you clues about what it is that you worship. And if what you're worshiping is your own ability to reason, well, the, at the end of the day, you're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping yeah. because it's and, and that's when you see the people arguing when it's obviously a point has been disproven. You'll see on Twitter, when someone is making a factually incorrect statement and you actually prove to them, well, this is actually factually incorrect, they won't let it go because that would mean their God, their intellect is false. Right. They can't, like, they will defend it to the point of irrationality. Right. Plus, I think, I think, I think God, something, I've also been thinking that there's God or something higher than yourself, this sort of mm -hmm. morals and, and principles. It's, it's transcendence. It's yes. transcendent and it's not from you and it's not from mm -hmm. your ability. And in fact, you may sometimes, I will sometimes wrestle with things that I know God says this and I want to do this other thing, right? Sure, but that's I think that's yeah. part of being human. And I think that that's good because it, it gives you a breaking mechanism because if you have that real belief in that, in that faith, you're held to, well, I want to live up to what I believe in. And, and a good example of that is, um, like I, I know people who I respect who, mm -hmm. uh, don't believe in God, who mm -hmm. have sometimes reasoned their way into bad behavior 
and rationalized it. It's almost in the way that the woke do, the ends justify the means. And I couldn't understand it at first. And then I realized, well, that's because it's reason, it's rational. If they can reason it, then it's okay to do. And God doesn't allow you to do that. And a good example, I'll just give it an anecdote. Some of my friends know this one, but um, one of my gig jobs, I drive this, uh, I won't tell you the specifics. I try to keep the jobs mm -hmm. This, you know, cancel culture, but I have this, I have this large van and mm -hmm. I accidentally, this is a very stupid, carry thing to do. I squeezed it into a gas station car wash that was too small for the van. Um, and, and I destroyed the top of the van and then I had to just floor it and get out of there. And, yeah, and the top of the gas station fell off. The car wash. Yeah. Yeah. The car wash was <laughs> the car wash was broken. And so I was like, oh gosh. Okay. So first of all, I call my boss. I'm like, I know I'm going to have to pay for the van. But then I was looking and nobody seemed to see. And I was like, there's no cameras here. And I almost, my human rationality, I almost wanted to take off. And you know what stopped me? I could have reasoned it. But it was God. It was God. It's like, because God would know. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's and God would know. I would know. I would know God knows. God would know that I know he knows. Right. Show you a better path. But this that, is, you're better than this. Yes. It's a, it's just, that's just a silly anecdote, but it's an example that I could think of, of like, I don't know what I would have done without God. I would like to think that I'm a good enough person. I would have gone and turned myself in anyway, but I don't know. And thankfully I do have God and I I had to get out of the van and go in and be like, Hey, I just destroyed your car wash. <laughs> Here's my info. <laughs> but I thought about it. It's like, it's a breaking mechanism. And there's other examples I could give, and I'm sure you have some, but there's this breaking mechanism that occurs where you're like, I could reason this out because I feel justified doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. You, you can make a whole complicated yeah. irras irrationalization. And that's what human beings do. That is what human beings do. They rationalize uh, what, you know, what they do. Again, in my tradition, there's a verse in the Quran that says human beings, you know, they, they're, they're, they make the, their ill-seeming actions feel good to them. Like bad people think they're doing good things. I mean, it's it's their nature is that they will convince themselves that their evil is good, right? Yes. It's not just that I I, I just yes. can't pay for this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's gonna hurt that guy. They're like, nah, it's you know, good. you probably deserve why. it because he's he's this privileged dude, right? Yeah, and I, you know, take it. Which is the entire that's the entire <laughs> communist thing. It's like, we'll kill all these people because they're privileged and take their property, right? That's that's the whole thing. You rationalize it. You rationalize it. I think that's just human nature. I think I'm starting to think that we need. We need a breaking system, and not just me, all that, humans. That's and uh, and that's and that's there. And you know, people say, "Well, you just have this, you have this, you know, stick and carrot system." I'm like, "Yeah, so it works." And why why shouldn't the cosmos be like that? I mean, you know, we all believe in actions, you know, the laws of thermodynamics. You know, equal a action creates equal and opposite reaction. You do something bad. Even if you claim you don't believe in God, you believe on a thermodynamic level, you do something, something will respond to that, right? So you, you you do something that's negative, why wouldn't there be a negative response, right? It's like denying the laws of physics, right? And so that's how the world works. Carrot and stick is how the world works. Of, of the three-dimensional world, God has created, right? God is outside that three-dimensional world, but we're in here, right? So that's how it works. And without, without faith, your ego will always lead you Yes. To rationalization, always. That's it. Will never stop, because <laughs> that it believes itself to be God. And yes. when you believe yourself to be God, all things are forgiven and acceptable. Yes, 
I'm I'm feeling you on this. I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation. So I, I do want to show you uh, two other things if you have time. How long do I have you? Do can I have okay. fifteen more minutes? I've got, I've got I can I about I'm gonna be I got anywhere from half an hour to forty five minutes if you got that. Then oh, I good. gotta take off forty five minutes. Okay, cool. Time. Uh, so I want to show you just, uh, cause we're talking about where things are headed and how they want to plug us into this virtual world. And they say, this is where we're going to live and work and play. Uh, let's see. So this is another piece. This is from, I think it's from PC world, PC mag. Okay. Here we go. An artificial yeah, intelligence that finds your soulmate. How much would you pay? <laughs> so this is from February 7th. This one's sort of recent. A startling survey shows the links that people will go to for companionship, even if it's virtual. And you can see here, they have a little pie chart that says, you know, would you prefer um, a real life partner versus a virtual reality partner? So 52% of people still say they would prefer to have a real life partner. 31%, which was surprising to me, it's a pretty large percentage. A third of people say they would prefer a virtual reality partner. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then 16% say, why not both? And then if you scroll down and get into some of the specifics of this mm -hmm. study, there is also something interesting happening. So it says, as we enter the age of the metaverse, the question comes up, what of a potential partners, uh, potential partner that's primarily or even only there for you in virtual reality? It's something a lot of people have thought about. While the majority of people still want someone to couple with in real life, a perfect AI partner isn't out of the question by any means. You can see in the top chart how many respondents would choose an AI partner, but this differs depending on their status. For example, single people, 61%, want they want to use AI to find them a real-world partner, a real-world mate. Yeah, so they hook up with somebody in the virtual thing, and then they meet up and have cap calls. Exactly. Um, married people, 40... Now, this is interesting. There are married people in here, and they talk about how married people are using dating apps in large numbers now, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Married people, 43%, would settle for an AI partner. Like, of course, they, so these are people who are looking to cheat, apparently. So 43% of them want a virtual reality partner. And then if you scroll down, you can see this little chart. They're, they're looking at single people, married people, and people in an open relationship. Um, if you go down to the one that says... The very uh, fact that we have, like, an open relationship <laughs> as a category, I was like, 1984, that wouldn't have been a likely category. Dad. Right. <laughs> right. So look at this. I'd prefer to find someone in real life. 67% of singles, 42% of married people, 61% of people in an open relationship. Okay, now I, a perfect virtual AI partner sounds great. Only 11% of single people said that. 43% of married people, a perfect well, virtual but, but that, AI partner. But that reflects the breakdown of marriage in, in, in Western society in the last century. I mean, that people are just miserable in marriages as we have such a massive divorce rate. I mean, you know, you know, and, you know, I, I've been troubled by Hollywood is recently trying to, you know, there's that show girlfriend's guide to divorce, which is now getting an uh, Egyptian version. And a I lot haven't of heard this, what is it? Yeah. So it's been, a, it, it, you know, that format has been sold to Egyptian television and I've caught, I'm like all my Muslim friends are like, so they're trying to export divorce to us now. They want to make it cool. And, you know, if you're, you know, if you're watching that show and you're, 
45 year old Egyptian woman who goes, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to have this cool life like this. I'm tired of my husband. I'm divorcing him. Right. Guess what? You ain't going to have that ideal, uh, you know, freedom life that you think you're going to have as a single divorced woman in Egypt in your 40s. Right. You ain't going to have that wonderful life that that TV show is going to portray for you. Right. It's not happening. It ain't sex in the city. Right. So they're trying to export these ideas, which will just lead, you know, the Muslim world, Latin America, Africa are sort of at this point, the last remnants of human civilization. Right. Of, of traditional civilization. And they're trying to export these things there to break down those cultures as well. Yeah. You know what I've seen recently is all of the, the, I didn't know about that show, but I've seen a lot of entertainment companies promoting stuff online where, I mean, obviously they're doing all the woke stuff they're using because yeah. that's really the, the dominant ideology right now in the entertainment world. Mm -hmm. But they're also glamorizing. There was something I noticed. It, they want to make it, they, they try and conflate um, being supportive of single moms with idealizing single moms as if those are the same thing and they're not. And so, but I've seen a lot of these. That's the best, that's the best thing that the male's only yes. purpose is to provide sperm and get out of the picture, right? Yes. yes. And so they'll, they'll do ads and stuff talking about, you know, single moms and, 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 but doing it in this way where it seems like it's no morally different than it's, it's no, uh, uh, there's no value difference in having a single parent household or a two parent household as, but then they actually sort yeah, of almost that's... elevate the single parent household. Of course. Uh, well, I mean, that's, 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 that's the end of a long process, which was went from, you know, single moms went from being sort of the outcasts of society to the, uh, the, the victims we feel sorry for, uh, to eventually where they, where they will become, which is the saints. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll all become archetyped like uh, like the Virgin Mary. Right. That's what they're being archetyped into. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, and that's it's it's fascinating to watch it because the purpose of that is purely to get males out of the picture because males are a threat. The only thing that can overthrow this metaverse matrix you know, antichrist thing that's coming are dudes with guns. <laughs> and and so you gotta get rid of you gotta demasculize men and you gotta get weapons out of their hands, right? And then you can you can have this broad sort of, you know, insectoid culture they want to create. Yeah. G Men uh G Men says we've we've come for your sperm and your money. Gross. <laughs> uh, but Rib Rascal, this is the one I was trying to put up there. He mm -hmm. says, I yeah. understand the fuss over Murphy Brown now that I'm older. What did that was, uh, she was going to be a single mom and like an episode back in like 20 years yes. ago, 30 years ago, whatever. Yeah. Have, have you started having this? I know we started at the beginning talking about the eighties were sort of this pinnacle of freedom. Uh, and then we've started descending again. I've started looking back on some of the culture wars of the nineties in a different way. And the pop culture show I do on Wednesdays with my friend, Mr. Chris, he brought this article to my attention from 1990. It was an LA times article. And they were talking about a lot of censorship in that was coming from the right against uh, artists, photographers, TV shows, uh, rappers like Two Life Crew and Married with Children and The Simpsons. And so all of these efforts to censor art that were coming from the right. But what was interesting in that, that piece was looking at it now, all these years later, one thing there was a, there was a um, LA Times, I think uh, was an LA Times art critic in it, who said he could see back then, he was mm -hmm. like almost prophetic. He said, yes, this is all very concerning to me, but what I'm actually worried about are the censorship attempts that are going to start coming from the left in the future. Mm -hmm. sure. um, based, you know, censorship of art. So he could see he could see into the future that far, which was interesting. But the other thing was that 
Well, anyone, of, anyone who studied the left and Marxism will understand that's always how it's going to play out. That's anyone who's looked at history, that's always what's going to play out. Idealism, and now we have got guns, and you're going to do what we say. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I was totally blind back then, of course. I was in it, I was yeah. in the left. And the other thing was that a lot of those things, like uh, Rib said, that seemed like at the time just sort of a scolding and paranoia and a panic and but they turned out to be no, right. every, every, everything all the right-wing nuts had happened <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I mean, everything has happened yeah and now you're seeing like you know you know now you're seeing on twitter you're, you're seeing the rise of the uh you know pedophilia should be added to lgbtq plus we should add a p to it and you're seeing it was like well, what's happening here? But that's exactly what all the right wing nuts said was going to happen. You know, once you got to gay marriage, you'd get the pedophilia. And it, I mean, look, I don't want to oppress anybody. I do want to stop people from banging little kids. I do want to do that. And so, you know, and so, but that's the, the, the logic. The people that were pushing for social changes presented as a form of morality. We're trying to make things better for this oppressed group. Okay. And there's an argument there. But the people behind, the ones who are doing that, they weren't coming from a place of trying to make people's lives better. They're coming from a place of actually deconstructing society so they could rewrite it altogether, right? Yes. And that was what the right-wing fanatics were warning about in the 80s and the 90s, whatever. That's because that's actually true. People that were talking about gay rights, you know, and so we all have our gay friends who we want them to live happily ever after. I'm happy. You, can, you want to get married and be miserable like all my married friends? Go, get do it, right? <laughs> and you can all experience it together, right? But but we, we see that. And we're like, okay, well, they're fighting for their rights, but the people that are pushing this movement are, they don't even give a crap about gay people because now we reach a place where like, you can't even say, well, I just want to, I'm gay, I'm a gay male and I'm not attracted to a trans person. You can't say that now. Now you're a foe for that. And so, so it's like literally they, they were, yeah. they, it wasn't even like we're trying to give these poor people rights. They were being used so that when the next stage of the cultural deconstruction comes, they would be thrown aside and their needs yeah. wouldn't matter. So Yeah. I'm starting to see that this might, this is true. It's like a lot of what they said in the nineties is happening. We, we created you in the highest of forms and you devolve down to the lowest of the low. We're in that process of devolving down to the lowest of the low where we don't even know if we're male or female. We don't even know who the hell we are. We don't know any, we've now deconstructed reality so that reality makes no sense at all. We can't even communicate in it because we don't have words. So now it's time to go to virtual reality because we've literally destroyed this planet, right? So let's go into an imaginary planet. Yeah. Okay, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a couple chats. We don't yeah, have super yeah, chats yeah. yet. If you guys yeah. are just tuning in, this is a new channel. Uh, I'm here with Cameron Pasha. Mm -hmm. And you can hit subscribe because it's a new channel and we don't have super chats yet. Although hopefully soon we're going to be monetized. I'll just read through a few of the chats. Let's see. Uh, Peter. Uh, no, let's see. Rib Rassel says, the way the woke demonized Jordan Peterson is disgraceful. Yes, I've seen that. I've also seen what's weird. I don't. I don't know if you've seen this, Cameron, because I know you've been permanently banned from Twitter. But <laughs> there's, uh, there's. I got around the and they took off me. Twice. Me. You're one of the most banned guests. Mike Harlow's also up there, and he he no, no. got around it finally. But yeah, you're. I'm not. You're I'm not going back. I'm to two is enough. I don't. I don't give three strikes. I'm done. Two is enough. You're good. So one of the things I've been seeing on Twitter, just in general. It, there's yeah. all this chaos happening. The now there's mm -hmm. the war, and there's something in the air because a lot of the anti woke people are infighting. I've seen people um, going after one another on Twitter. You're who, seeing that you're seeing that on YouTube right now. I hang a lot with those YouTubers, and now, now that things are getting better on Star Wars, they're all turning on each other. They're like, "Well, I didn't like this thing in Batman." Ah. And What's like, going on? Now they're all I, against each other. Yeah, I feel like there's something coming. I I, I think there's mm -hmm. a 
I think there might be some kind of rift coming between a lot of the people that have formed alliances to push back against woke. There's now this fracturing happening and that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm not oh, right about that. That's also inevitable. That's inevitable because there have been some victories in the culture wars. I can see it in Hollywood. You know, you know, it, the most prominent example we're seeing right now is Bob Chapek, the new head of Disney, has pub has refused to get involved in this debate over this new Florida bill that prevents school teachers from talking about sexuality to to, to you know kindergartners, whatever. And so uh, you know, he despite tremendous pressure from various organizations, he's not let Disney put out any statement because they do a lot of business in Florida. They want to get involved in this. And today he put out, I just put it out on my Patreon today. Uh, one of my Patreon members is a Disney employee and he leaked a memo. Uh, and, and I got this JPEG internal memo uh, about this thing. And he basically states, look, we care very much about our LGBTQ employees, you know, but the company is not going to get involved in this. We're just going to work on making great movies that make culture better, that will achieve the ends that you want, which is a rational stance for a company mm -hmm. to take, it's not get involved in politics and just create entertainment. That was controversial three years ago. That was impossible. But, but now they were having these kind of cultural victories where the pendulum is beginning to return towards the center. All the people that I hung out with on YouTube are all at each other's throats now because they got their victory or they're wow. getting some of it. They're and they're all at each other's throats now. They're like, well, I didn't like the book of Boba Fett and this and that. And they're all turning on each other like a bunch of crazies because they got what they wanted, which is what's happening broadly to those who stood up against the book. They're, you know, they're now like, well, I don't like you. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's literally like, you know, if people that were fine with me being their Muslim friend against the woke. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really like Islam, right? And so, this is what's happening. You want to change, you can change. <laughs> yes, this is, I've seen, so I've seen uh, James Lindsay, who's done a lot of work with uh, uh, Christians at pushing back against woke. Um, mm -hmm. There's been some friction there with some Christians, and there's also been, friction with him and constant and kissing and then i've seen just 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 more of this fractious stuff happening Cernovich in peterson and just i don't know well, there's something coming for this on this peterson's yeah. actually evolving in a different direction peterson i like to i have his books i like a lot of stuff he said but you know he was coming from a traditional sort of christian background and and he was very uncomfortable with islam he viewed it as a threat and then at with time i got to give him this he started getting Muslims on his shows and interviewing them. He started to realize, oh, we actually share a lot of a lot. common values and we're actually on the same page here. And I don't have to believe in your prophet or your book or whatever, but I can believe that you share the same values. That's an evolution that Jordan Peterson, he went from being sort of, I don't really like Muslims to Muslims are my brothers in this fight at the same time when everyone is going the other way. So the I got to Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I'm just going to hit through a couple mm -hmm. more of these. Let's see, Jules R says, I was an atheist, now agnostic, verging on deist. Bear with me, I'm getting there. <laughs> but I always well, understood I, the purpose and need for religions and faith. Well, I wrote to Jules in, in the chat. I said, you know, you're two thirds of the way there now. <laughs> <laughs> you're two thirds of the way there. You're almost there. You're, we're accelerating now. <laughs> the, other, the other guys are halfway there. You're two thirds. Um, G-Man says, there are many people who worship their own ability to reason who are quite unreasonable. I concur. <laughs> Let's see. Um, you, hey guys, there's so many of you. Hi, BS. Uh, it's so much easier when there's some highlighted and I can go to those. <laughs> now I'm like, what do I put on the screen? I don't know. This is true. Tree Surgeon says you can reason yourself into anything, but you can also use religion to justify anything. 
So I will remain agnostic. Well, that's about moral character flaws, right? I mean, if, if you are a person of bad moral character, you're going to find in your book whatever you need to to oh, achieve yeah. your objectives, right? That's why religious fanatics of any tradition are destructive people, because instead of finding the love, the peace, the thing, the stuff that made the religion work for hundreds and thousands of years, like, let's find this verse that tells me I can go kill that person, right? I mean, you'll always yeah. find these people because they're, that's their character, and they just need whatever they need to justify it. Yeah, I think people... People will always that's this, they will always use anything for justification, yeah. and certainly religion is is not off limits. There, they'll they use woke to justify things. They use anti woke to justify yeah, things. It's just it's just yeah. you know it's just bad moral character. When you look at things like the Salem witch trials or the Inquisition, this isn't what Christ is about. That's self evident to anyone who's actually read the Gospels that this isn't what Christ is about. These people didn't care. They wanted to do these things, and they wanted to feel good about it, just like the woke. Yeah, I've seen, here's a great example. So what I was talking about earlier, I'm glad you made that comment, Tree Surgeon. And by the way, I have no, stay agnostic. I'm not trying to win you over. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's, um, that's, 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 I mean, as Oscar Wilde said, uh, you know, questioning is the beginning of faith. Yeah, questioning. I have no like judgment about people's walk and I have no, I don't try to Maybe some Christians will take issue with this, but I'm not like trying to save anyone because I don't think I can save anyone anyway. It's not, it's not my job. job. That's God's job. So, no. um, but that's a great point about religion. And I was thinking about this because there are people who get um, within the church. There, there was this uh, this this one town that my husband plays music in. There was this big public thing that happened there where um, the the I think it was Episcopalian. I'm not sure, but anyway, two of the ministers one a man and one a woman, both married, had an affair, mm -hmm. and then justified it and said God led them to each other, left their family. It's like David and Bathsheba. David yeah. and Bathsheba. So like, yeah, okay. That is not God. And if you are a Christian who's like, I'm doing this sinful thing, but it's God's will, like you've gone way, I'm just speaking yeah, of the Christians but, 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 here, you've but, gone I'm way off. Jesus met with those characters. They, yeah. they were the Pharisees of his time. It's not nothing new, right? There are all these characters who were doing all the externals of religion while being corrupt. There's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. Solomon said it. There's nothing yeah. new under the sun. These characters show up all the time and you know, and they and what they do is they push people away from religion, which is why Jesus showed up. Yes. Said, all these people are like, you got these people that look like they're religious, but they're bad people. So why would I want to do this? Yeah. You've gone, them, yeah, they're, they're, they're not religious. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're putting on a cloak. It's what took, it's, that's one of the reasons I think I was so skeptical of religion for so long because I bought into, well, first I bought into a lot of the stereotypes and I, I was sort of inoculated against it. This yeah. is something my pastor talks about is we live in a culture now where, um, like if you think about in the days of the Bible where they're going out and they're preaching the, the good word, it's the first time people have heard the good word a lot of times, sure. but now sort of we've all heard and rejected it. We're at this point in culture where we've sort of been inoculated against it. And I definitely, I think, I think of it now as that's, that's probably what was happening for me is I thought I knew what it was all about. And because of these bad actors like that, I took those people, I took those TV preachers, those televangelists who are always exposed to be hypocrites and, and what have you. I took those to be yeah, Jerry Falwell's banging the pool boy with his wife, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I took those people to be examples of what Christianity was, and that's terrible. That's not what Christianity, I came to learn that's not what it is. I'm very well, lucky. It, and it, it arose exactly yeah. to address that. <laughs> yes, yes. And I've found sincere people, and and I feel really 
lucky to have found sincere people. And my biggest problem now is sometimes walking into interactions, assuming everyone is sincere <laughs> when I know yeah. better, you know, but it's like, uh, any, anyway, and we're getting on a, a bit of a tangent there. Well, the great so, thing is the great, the great thing is this, the last two years revealed everybody to me. So I now know who's the idiot, who's the crazy fanatic, who's the rationalizer, who's the fraud, who's the hypocrite, because they reveal themselves over masks and vaccines and this and that and that. And that. I, they reveal their nature. So I'm like, oh, I now know who you are. I don't have to worry about you anymore. Isn't that amazing and a great silver lining? I saw who people were too. And, and I, I went through some of this with woke and then I went through it again with COVID. It's like learning, mm -hmm. oh, I did not know this about you. I'm glad that this part of your yourself has been revealed to me because I didn't know you yeah, were that and, and there's no way to hide it. I've had two years of seeing people for what they are. There's there's no way to escape it. I know everybody in my life what their character is. Not even mm -hmm. the slightest question anymore. Wow. And most of it shocked me. Most of it, they weren't what I thought they were. Yeah. Beth Lemon says, also the scripture says people will preach the gospel for money and that happens too. Oh yeah, absolutely. People do all I mean, kinds of things for money and for fame and well, look, I mean, Power. Jesus says very clearly in, in, in the book of Matthew, in, in the gospel of Matthew, he said very clearly, he said there, on the day of judgment, there will be people come to him and say, you know, call me Lord and say, we cast out demons in your name and we did all these miracles in your name and did all these things. And he said to him, I never knew you. Get away from me, you, you know, you workers of iniquity. Because he said, even you could use my name to do miracles and you could do all these wonderful things, but your moral character's in there. So I don't know who you are. So you're not part of me. He says it in that. I mean, it's a very powerful thing. He says it right there. It's not just talking. You can see people go, look at all the wondrous impact this person's having in the world, right? Yeah, but they're, they're a hypocrite. And yeah. so they, they don't know Jesus, and Jesus doesn't know them. So, yeah. yeah. Talk a lot about them. So, whatever. Cameron, I really enjoy talking with you. I hope we get to do it again more frequently. Yeah, we got to do it more often because okay. you know, I don't have these conversations in Hollywood. I know, <laughs> and, and I have so much I want to ask you about. So, you definitely have to come back. I think what I'm going to do with the live uh, show on this channel yeah. is probably have a couple people back regularly. And I would love, I'm pressuring you by asking you online. I'll ask you offline. No, no, I, come, I, like, I know Fridays are challenging for me because of the mosque, you know, the time right. as I go. But if we do it like 10 to 12, I can do that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, we'll can you tell people where they can find you in case they haven't? Yeah. Sure. If, if, well, you can't find me on Twitter anymore, so that's over. But uh, but you know, but I think the best way to, to connect with me is, and I'll put it in the link before I take off. Is I have a Patreon that's actually been very successful. There's stuff that I talk about on my Patreon that I can't talk about in public. I talk about my experiences in Hollywood. Someone was asking me uh, about to comment on a former boss of mine who's very woke, and I said, well, that's definitely something I want to comment on in my Patreon and not publicly, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not something I'm putting in the chat there, right? Not gonna put that there. But yeah, so I have this Patreon and get to, I talk about Hollywood. It's mostly Hollywood. I do get a little bit of spirituality. I don't try to be preachy there because I have a broad range of followers there who aren't interested in hearing religion, blah blah blah. But I do talk about the woke cultural stuff where we are in the industry and media. And I'll throw that link in there if you want to join me. If any of you are aspiring writers, uh, you know, want to be screenwriter, I'm a, I'm a published novelist from Simon Schuster. I have two novels published, and I've been a successful screenwriter for about 20 years. And so if you have desire to learn how to be a good screenwriter professionally or novelist, you can reach out to me on the Patreon because I offer consulting services through it. And I've actually had over 20 clients who are like, wow, you helped me fix my script. And now I actually know what I'm doing. So I'll put all that in there. Come, come reach out to me there. You are uncharacteristically genuine for someone who works in Hollywood. <laughs> I say this as someone who used to work in Hollywood. I've dealt with a lot of people. 
you're very genuine and open and I love that. So Well, thank you. It's uh, I will leave with this one last thing. When I worked at Disney, that I worked as the head of the Tron animated series uh, and then I got fired later for exactly this reason, <laughs> which was day one, I, I come in, I'm the showrunner of the show, whatever, I'm putting my team together, pitching everything, the executives, I'm really excited, I'm doing this thing. And then at the end of the day, an executive at Disney said, all right, let's have an end of day, first day review, come into my office. She closed the door, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, so you come across as very honest, sincere, uh, straightforward person without any agenda. That's not going to help you there. <laughs> but already people are saying, what's this guy's angle? He's playing the honest guy card. So this guy's probably really dangerous. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. That was an awkward conversation. She said, it's not going to help you here. It's not going to help I you had, be straightforward. I had a boss. So I had a boss when I worked in Hollywood who yeah. was a master at deception, like a lot of people are. And when we parted ways, he told me, he paid me a compliment. He did say, he said I was the smartest person that had worked for him. But then he said, but you're also, you're the worst with people. You need, people can tell when you don't like them and you have to learn <laughs> how to hide that. Well, that, and Hollywood, people are unlikable. So if you, if you yes. like that poster, you're screwed. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I don't know how to hide it. If I don't, there's very I, few I, people I, I don't like, but if I don't like you, I no, I can't hide that. Why would I hide that? I, I had this problem. Once I was early in my career, I was brought into the office of this powerful producer and sitting down. He's like, hey, would you like some cocaine? I'm like, uh, no, no, thank you. And uh, then he's like looking at me and you can see on my look at my face. I'm like, did you actually offer me coke in your office? Right. Is this actually like happening yeah. here? Right. And, uh, and, he, and he could sort of go, oh, you're one of those types. Right. You're one uh. of those good guys. I was like, I just don't want to stuff something up my nose. It's going to fry my brain, but whatever, you know, but yeah. you can see it on my face. So whatever. <laughs> That's what everybody does there, though. It's like, oh, this is normal. This is all normal. Okay. Thank you all very right. much for coming. You guys check out Cameron online. If it's your first time here, hit subscribe, like button, it helps us. And uh, if you like the video, you can share it. We do have a subscribe, subscribe to our Patreon and Locals, and we've got several videos coming out this week. So stay tuned. Thank you guys for being in the chat. Bye, Cameron. God bless. Peace. Oh, um, G-Man, hold on. G-Man told me I had to roll a yeah. video at the end. I don't have end credits oh. yet, so we're going to go out with this. So, right, we're okay. going to go out with the video. Bye-bye, everyone.